This is SciBite, episode 100, for July 9th, 2013. everyone and welcome to SciBite, Jupiter Broadcasting's well-crafted science podcast, live over jblive.tv and fresh for download over Jupiter Broadcasting Wednesday mornings. My name is Chris and joining us every single week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather. Hey there, Chris. Hey, Heather. Happy science to you. Happy science. So, what are we going to talk about today in episode 100? Today, we're going to take a look at fear and hearing. Legislation about embryos with three parents, a flashlight without batteries, spacecraft updates, viewer feedback, curiosity news, and as always, take a peek back into history and up in the sky this week. And that's not all. We also have a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Jeremy Randall. Hey there, J-Man. Hey there, guys. Oh, what? This is the side bite. Sorry about that, Jeremy. This is the side bite 2000. It randomly does that. It's been buggy. Uh, well, J-Man, that was supposed to be the uh, the push button applause. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry uh, yeah. about that, but yeah, Close I'll get it, I'll get it fixed hopefully before the end of the episode. J-Man, we 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 are very thankful for you to join us on our 100th episode. Of course, you have been with Sidebite. You were there at the beginning. You were sort of its father, really. You were the. Of course, it's getting creepy, but you know where I'm going, right? Well, I was not much so much a father, kind of like a creepy uncle that kind of just shoved him out the door, you know? <laughs> I, uh, okay, science is getting frightened. All right, yeah. well, before we go too far, why don't we uh, start with the news? All right, let's see if we can recover from this, Heather. Where are we going to start this week? All righty, some researchers are looking into how emotions can actually affect how we hear and process sound. And that how when the t- certain types of sound become associated in our brains with strong emotions so that it actually goes the other way. Hearing those sounds evokes those same feelings kind of associated with almost PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder stuff. Wow. So they had a, a pair of researchers, researchers just kind of discovered how fear can actually increase or decrease your ability to discriminate among sounds depending on the context. Huh. So, so, like, if I'm uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm from an environment, say maybe I worked with somebody in 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 an editing situation, and they were frightening to work with, and then later on, sounds sure. from that situation would sort of mm-hmm. trigger like almost an instinctual fear, even if it wasn't really reasonable for the situation. Yeah, and similarly, depending on your emotional mood, the same sounds can affect you differently. Like, I hate horror films. I'm terrible at them. If I'm sitting there and I hear the door creak next door that is going to elicit an entirely different feeling than if I'm just sitting here playing a game. <laughs> so, you know, one causes me to have a heart attack. The other one causes me to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know what you mean. I've, I've been, uh, I've been uh, in my younger years known to, uh, well, even now sometimes avoid horror movies. Cause then I start hearing noises in the dark, you know, yes. I, mm. I start uh, making sure the alarm's set on the house, especially if it was where somebody broke into the house or, you know, you hear the floor crack. Yes. Guy. Somebody's in the house. You know, that's what I was thinking of when I was uh, hearing about all this. Was it, This sounds like something that horror film directors have known for decades. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. 
it's interesting to see some scientific evidence to back it up and that it goes the other way. Like yes. in a horror film, you know, they put certain music in there to make you feel anxious, and feel afraid. But it's it's interesting that actually just being afraid for other reasons actually. Are you saying that that actually makes you hear differently? Uh, yes, kind of. Because your brain is, that, is processing certain sounds. Yeah, it's, uh, it's processing it in a different way. We actually saw that, you know, specific emotional learning can take place. Actually, they were looking at in the mice. They were doing mice. I guess they were frightening them or something. And it was <laughs> tones, very clo- two tones very close together, and then two tones really far apart. You know, one would frighten them, one would not. And for the poor little mice who had, you know, a low tone was happy and a really high tone was scary, everything made them scared. So just any sort of a noise would be like, I am scared. Hmm. So you, you, could, you could have the most peaceful sound, but if hearing it, yeah, that totally actually makes sense, right? That totally makes sense. And it's kind of going back to what the J-Man was saying is they also, uh, video game people do this too, where you, wa- you walk mm-hmm. into a room and mm-hmm. they'll, start to be a, they'll start to be sounds that come in. And you're like, oh, no, what is that? What was that? Uh, like, oh, no. I remember <laughs> I used to play Medal of Honor and oh. uh, you could be, in, you could be in, a, in like a little house and you would hear the person open the downstairs door. And even, and you knew him instantly. You were boned. Yeah, and it was very scary. Like I, I, I'm not going to say I screamed like a girl, but somebody I know <laughs> may have may have screamed like a girl, even though it was just a video game and nobody was actually getting hurt. Yeah. Now maybe I. Yeah. Now maybe every time I hear a door, I think somebody's in there to to shoot me. Only when it's downstairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So you just have to live in one one floor houses for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Good. When when, when a door sense. opens upstairs, Anne says to me, "Hey, did you hear that?" I'm like, "Oh, what? Who cares? It's just upstairs. No big deal." <laughs> <laughs> was what kind of intrigued them was none of the these emotional learning and going back and forth didn't happen in the auditory cor- cortex. That that didn't play a part in the emotional learning is actually happening in the amygdala, which is mainly uh, sort of plays the role of processing memory and emotional reactions. So when it, sh- it goes kind of bypasses the sort of hearing part of your brain and goes straight to memory and emotion. Oh, that's interesting. That makes you think that hardwires, that's like a, that's a, like a survival mechanism, isn't it? Check the memory mm-hmm. banks. Do I know the sound to be threatening? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's like... Well, fight or flight. You don't, have to, you don't have to waste time like actually processing what you're hearing it just goes straight to the you know what this means you wonder you wonder that's probably one example of how many millions of automatic things your body does like that and it it shows you how your body probably is subtly manipulated by a lot of the things around you that you're not even cognizant of because a lot of this stuff is just happening by your by your by your body's operating system essentially Mm -hmm. it's it's just managing this stuff for you and marketers and 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 video makers they can all manipulate this stuff just a little bit just to kind of push you in certain directions and this oh, is sort yeah. of the science that shows how that works now we see why it's because of some of these hard wirings a blue mm-hmm. phoenix in the chat room is referring to this as classical conditioning it does sound uh, a lot like that yeah yeah it's something we've known it we've known about it but now this kind of shows us how it works mm-hmm it, yeah I, I find it really interesting that it's just bypassing your auditory cortex though that's wicked well, and it makes you wonder, does that sort of forfeit the uh, option for rational interception of something and, and analysis? Like, if, it's, if your body's acting on an instinctual level, are you sort of 
being robbed of the opportunity to intercept that. Well, that, that happens all the time. You know, that yeah. you'll immediately have this gut reaction to something, and then you think about it a split second yeah, later, and you're like, true. "Oh, it's nothing." Yeah. 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 I mean, you at know. the extreme, uh, like at the beginning, uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress. You know, um, soldiers or you know some sort of personnel that have been in gunfire situations, any sort of sound that sounds vaguely like it, thrown completely into a a different realm of thought. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. you guys not- ever watch West Wing? I've seen I've seen uh, parts. One of, of one it. of the characters suffered from a form of PTSD brought on by I think it was bells or something because his brain connected it to sirens from a shooting that he was involved with. So it's really it, was this um, study. Heather, do you know if this was focused on PTSD or was it just something that they were trying to figure out why horror movies freak us out? No, it wasn't connected to PTSD. It was one of those where it was specifically analyzing how the two connect. But it was sort of mentioned as a, this makes sense as connected to this. So it's sort of a, hey, we see that here. We see this kind of thing elsewhere. Let's look specifically at how sound and hearing connect and how the brain connects the two of them with fear hmm. those poor mice though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i was sitting there and it didn't specifically say it just said emotional conditioning and there i am sitting there like what did they do is it like happy piece of cheese versus booga, booga, booga. right i wonder well they might have gotten some good cheese out of the deal you never know they bring in their their friend's cats <laughs> yeah i know smell of cat oh poor little mouse no, no, just a shock. And then if it does something good, it gets cheese. Let's just go with that. We'll just go with okay. that. Right. All right. They're so much better than sudden cats. Right. Yeah. It's so much better than the, the smell of a cat. And cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other thoughts on that one, Heather? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, then uh, hit the uh, hit the pause button right there, if you would, just for a second. Uh, I want to, uh, we got a little business to cover, and I also have a super cool pick. This is the coolest thing ever, and once you hear about this, you'll wonder why it was not invented until 2013, and I, my friends, will not have an answer for you. It is called the Audio Source Sound Pop Bluetooth Speaker. What? Yes. I know, it does sound a little weird, but it is a suction cup speaker that has uh, Bluetooth built in, and then you pair it with your Android or iPhone, whatever your persuasion is. And it's only 37 bucks. And the coolest, it's like it combines the best thing about portable speakers, the Bluetooth, with really good sound quality for the size. It sounds amazing. And it goes, it can go in the shower, which is awesome for listening to a podcast in the shower or whatever you want to stream. And that suction cup functionality means you can stick it to your windshield, you can stick it to the shower, you can stick it to the counter. The desk, it's it's really super convenient, and the battery lasts for days, so it's awesome. Oh, oh, and it also has a built-in microphone, so it'll it'll you can use it as a uh, Bluetooth speakerphone for your cell phone when you have it paired. So if you get a call while you're in the shower, I guess you could answer it using this uh, this bad mama jam. It's also got a bunch of different colors. It's really cool, and the suction cup surprisingly strong, and the audio quality is surprisingly good. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. If uh, you would like to uh, support the Sidebite Show and the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, click that link. You'll use our affiliate link by doing that, and a portion of your purchase is contributed to the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, and we appreciate that very much. Helps us pay those costs that are ever-increasing. Now, with that plug done, we do have some big news about the schedule. We're going we're gonna to be taking a summer break as I sort of adjust my schedule, and you'll be hearing more about this and how it impacts the other shows over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be uh, setting uh, setting aside, aside some extra time for uh, our new child that arrives, well, ideally you in about three weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could actually be any day. Uh, 
we have like we have like all the preparation, everything's ready. So we're kind of in that range now. So we're going to take a break, uh, starting with episode 100. We figured that was a good round number to stop at for a little while. And we'll be back the first week of September, of course, unless something for some, uns- uh, for some reason comes up. But the plan is to bring all of the shows back to take a break at the first week of September. Now, uh, Heather, you're planning to do a little tweeting during that downtime, though, right? Yes. Have no fear. Science peeps. Catch me. You can uh, watch my Twitter JB underscore Mars underscore base. And I will continue to kind of tag out interesting uh, science bits of information and uh, at least that much. You know, I see a trend. Jeremy comes on a show and then it goes off air. You're welcome. <laughs> no, uh, we, we Jeremy. <laughs> actually, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. That was, <laughs> uh, you know, really, it was just it was, uh, it was specifically to make a little room for the uh, extra daddy duties that I'll be picking up while my wife is recovering and then all that kind of stuff. I did say duties. <laughs> so don't forget to follow Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash JB underscore Mars underscore space to get some science in your feed. Even if you're not a member of Twitter, you can still read the feed it's not bad that's still one way to do it and uh don't forget about those browser extensions for chrome and firefox we won't be on the air every week to remind you but we still really need your help especially during this time since we'll have less shows on the air we'll have less revenue coming in so we could absolutely use your help so go buy one of those bluetooth speakers you can talk to people in the shower you know i'm just saying if you wanted to leave a voicemail it would be from the shower yeah it would be funny but it needs to be still unlegible that's the tricky part with the shower i think (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, if you sing uh, loud enough, it's, it's clear as a bell. <laughs> oh, oh man! The, the amount of shower singing this that thing is going to enable. Uh, yeah. That, Let I, us I, not do the test data. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right, Heather. Well, uh, with that all filed, let's move on to the news bite. All right, Heather. I'm feeling a little uh, like DNA splicing is in order. Yes, there has been. Some legislation being passed in the UK saying that approving some DNA that would actually let embryos have three parents. There's been research on this before. What? Where, okay, so obviously the, the classical t- DNA thing, you see the giant spirals and then you see them split apart and the two come together and it makes one DNA except mitochondria DNA are sort of in a cell kind of off to the side and they they're sort of the batteries they keep things running they provide an energy source as that comes only from the mother now there are specific um, diseases that come from mitochondrial DNA Mm. mutations and such so they're looking at saying well can we just replace the mitochondrial DNA with a healthy one or plug in some healthy um, sections into where the uh, the bad, well, quote-unquote bad parts are. Right. Just splice in the good, splice in good stuff at that point. Yeah, or simply completely replace the mitochondria with uh, a healthy one, what mm. you would call healthy. Mm-hmm. Stories like this just make me sit down and go, man, we live in the future. I know. <laughs> now, there have been lots of studies on this before, but it's the fact that the UK is actually looking is kind of looking at passing legislation about this. About allowing the research or about what to do with allowing it to like, happen. The uh, research has already happened. They've pr- they've shown it in mice. Um, they might have showed it somewhere else in uh, petri dishes. Only. More mice. 
mice, and then um, and then they, they sent them off to the fear study. Oh goodness! <laughs> no, these, these these poor mice are really messed up. Yeah, but they've 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 actually shown it in petri dishes and other such things. But now legislation is being passed to say. Yes, you may do this. Right, well, because the thing this enables is, it, it, doesn't this theoretically give future doctor with cool future tools and future ambitious parent to say, all right, here's my, here's my baby embryo. I want you to analyze all of its DNA. And when you find any kind of chronic disease, I want you to splice that out and put in good parts. Isn't it, essentially, it's like, it's like swapping in source code to a program and then what what the what the regula- what the regulation is going to say is are we going to allow this right aren't they aren't uh, they going to start to try to make a decision on if we're going to enable this or is are we not that far yet well not that far it's not so much the pick and slice quite as you said it's more like um you're playing the game and it's come together but it also needs directx 7 to an order six whatever to power it to sort of give some sort of you know, oomph to it going, and you can, they're looking to replace that. So it doesn't necessarily change the the DNA itself. It changes the battery source. So the kid likely. still comes out looking like mom and dad. It just doesn't yeah. have this mitochondrial defect. Yes, I actually uh, know someone who it's, it's straight through the women, and there is a specific defect that happens when they pass, when they pass it on to their children. And the case of in this specific case being able to swap that out and stop that you know progression there are specific diseases the one i'm talking about is sort of a non named one they can't you know they don't really have a name for it mm-hmm. but things like um i don't recall if cystic fibrosis is that type of a disease but those kind of things where it's a life debilitating or altering you know mychochondrial disease itself if well, able said to that- stop that you were saying earlier that mitochondria is like the battery for your other uh, yes. cells. So if, obviously, if you have some problem with that, you've got a major problem all over the place. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll, it'll change everything else. But so the question is, just swapping that out. But this isn't a matter of like uh, in the in the foreword for this episode. You said like of um, embryos with three parents, but it's not. It's not going to come to that at this point. Not with mitochondria, right? Like we don't have to worry about uh, a baby actually having to have parental or, or people having to have parental rights over an offspring that's actually got three parents because the mitochondria is not really a genetic, um, a, a genetic donor to the child, right? Yes, but in this case, it's essentially before you walk into this sort of a thing especially with parental rights, they're going to write legislation about mm, it mm. because there's still some part of you being handed over. I mean, to do... Um, yeah, I guess so. I just, it seems like mitochondria doesn't matter where it comes from as long as it yeah, works. Yeah, I mean, to do, um, you know, in vitro, you know, fertilization, but then there's the, I forget the name of it, where a woman can carry the egg and the sperm from somebody completely different. Mm-hmm. She has absolutely nothing to do with it, but there has to be, you have to go to lawyers and sign yeah. everything up that yeah. says, yeah, they have everything. No, all, she's not. They have everything all signed really before they go into it. You know, and that's so similarly in that case, I'd imagine, I mean, yeah, I it'll go so. everything from how to do it, when you can do it, how far you're allowed to go. You know, I just, I think as a parent, like if, uh, if like, you know, Angela's about to have our third child and if, Nine months ago, they could have said, "Would you like us to remove all 
all these potentially bad things. I mean, I'm not, I know we're not there yet, but when we get to that point, how do you as a parent say no to that? Yeah, and then it goes, I mean, from there it gets to the crazy slippery slope of what is, you know, am I a disadvantage because I'm five foot tall and I can't reach all the top shelves and they're useless and they gather dust, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you get into that kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Or, you know, if you've seen uh, Gattaca, that movie yeah. from... From a yep. while back, you know, it's your test and you're like, oh, congratulations, this is your ticket to life. You get to be a janitor. Yeah, because <laughs> you have bad eyesight and a bad heart. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. Well, uh, any other thoughts on this one? No, it's a very interesting step forward in that there are some really good forward steps for this and yeah. positives. But as always, it's kind of something that you you watch and you see where the legislation lets you go and where the stopping point is. So I want you know, maybe, talk- it, oh, maybe it's opening up a, a bad door for this show, but I, I, I would like it just makes me lament a bit that this sort of stuff can't happen in the U.S. these days. Like we have to we have to wait for other countries to be able to to do this sort of thing. This is this is not going to fly in our yeah, in the U.S. right us, now. Yeah, it leaves us out of an out of a growing new market. A, a yeah, new, yeah, a new industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but as things, I'd like to think as things progress in other first world countries that. It's more likely that other countries that are first world to sort of yeah. hop on, especially if they're, you know, good relations. And, you know, once they figure out how to make it really, really, really expensive, then they'll do it over here. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalism, ho! Uh, why don't we uh, talk about something that's a little easier for me to wrap my brain around, and that would be a no-battery flashlight. Sounds impossible, but I'm ready to believe, Heather. Yes, and just about insult to injury... This is from a student from Canada, <laughs> but for the Google Science Fair. This, oh, I mean, she's, I think, 16 15, or so. 15, yeah. 15. So a 15-year-old has gotten us no battery flashlights. It has In the 10th been, grade. <laughs> yeah, it's been done before. It's through uh, the uh, Pellet- Peltier tiles, which is thermoelectric effect. Essentially, it means that you can convert temperature dif- differences to electric voltage and the opposite. So it's essentially powered by body heat. You hold on to it and it heats up part of it with your hand. And so that makes a temperature difference. And it's, on the, it's, a, it's like a hollow tube. Is that what it yes. sounds like? Yeah, so it the, is. And the inside stays cool just because it's hollow. There's nothing there. Yeah. That's interesting. And, well, and because they're in Canada, this probably wouldn't work all that well in Arizona. <laughs> I like, too, that this is kind of, I mean, the real enabler here, right, is is obviously the technology she's using to, to get the power, but also the fact that these LEDs are so low power, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. A combination of different new technologies coming together to make this sort of stuff. It is. It's amazing how all these different inventions that have been developed for years and years and years all come to this point where a 15-year-old 10th grader can put them all together in a package and say, I just created something new. Yeah, oh, and to cool. also meet all the materials for it cost her under 30 bucks. <laughs> I Jeez, make that's one not of the these. brain power, but... No, this makes me question, why don't we have these Peltier titles, tiles like put into office chairs or something like that to... to <laughs> Power your desk lamps and or, stuff like that. Or just you know? to charge her to your phone, right? Because like, I got to tell you, my butt is warm. <laughs> if the other side of that thing is cold, that's a lot of electricity, I'm sure. <laughs> and it would probably be comfortable. It's cooling. <laughs> it'd be removing the heat. Right. Science is going to take your word on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, any other thoughts on that one, Heather? 
No, let us leave power research. All right, then that means it's time for the two bite news. All right, we're going to talk about the two bite news. All righty, the space shuttle Atlantis, its exhibition. Wow, I cannot speak today. At the Kennedy Space Center in Florida is actually opened up on June 29th. I'm jelly. Yes, this one, this specific exhibit is, it's only like, all the others are specifically flat. This one is raised in the air at an angle with its cargo bay doors open. Yeah, it looks like it's like it's almost in orbit and it's in the middle of some cool operation. Yeah, it's exact. Action shot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It is to the. It's actually to the exact degrees that it would be in orbit. Space shuttle porn. Yeah, that is that is an action shot if I've ever seen one. Look at that thing. <laughs> and they've got like it looks like a big poster of the Earth behind it. Yeah, they've got Earth. They've got screens behind one so they can kind of change it out. I believe they're going to do a mock-up of the uh, I thought at one point they were talking about a mock-up of the Hubble Space Telescope nearby. It almost, you know, I can picture I can picture how this looks, right? You're in this area, exhibit area. There's a nice walk around. Honestly, when you look at it in this context, it almost doesn't look real. It yeah, looks like a prop. Yeah, there's two levels. To see a space shuttle in person. Like it, yeah. just seems, it seems like it would be, first of all, awesome to see something that had been up in space and taken humans into space and mm-hmm. everything like yeah. that. But mm-hmm. I've also heard they're actually kind of small. Like... Relative to what you might expect, like they like they cram so much into this little space. Yeah, it was. That's oh, kind yeah. of my impression when I'm looking at this. It does seem a little smaller than I expected. There are some images that give you a better perspective with, you know, people nearby, but it does have two levels. So you can walk underneath it, or you, there's a second level where you can kind of walk around it. That is but so cool. Anybody who gets to go and see that totally tweet me about it tell me about this you tell me about this screen this gal standing in front of it looks like she's maybe controlling uh the space arm or something oh this is probably oh yes this is one of those where it's an interactive thing yeah it's just going to be where you're holding looks like it's probably it's like a demo kind of yeah yeah it's a demo simulation that's so cool a lot of these different uh, nasa centers will have those kind of things at the space center in uh, houston the visitor center i remember there'd be various simulations where there's a joystick and hey, land the shuttle. Oh. And another one is like, hey, do this or build a space station and you need this part and that part. Or, you know, Must what do you do? additional you... pylons. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, digital versions. There was like an actual interactive. You go up and you turn a knob on this, you know, on this. Um, you're on a little floating chair that's with uh, air floating. They lower this little sat- quote unquote satellite down. You have to turn knobs and everything. And if you push it too hard, it like flies away from you. And you're like, oh, I ruined the mission. <laughs> I so just destroyed a multi-billion things. dollar satellite. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> Joe did it. Well, so I want to go. That sounds like a ton of fun. Yes. Um, I, I have an incoming uh, transmission from the side by 2000, Heather. I'm going to patch it through. Oh, look at that. It's a spacecraft update. It is you may have seen in the news they may have made a big deal about it this last week or two voyager one it's not in interstellar space yet no not yet i I thought maybe it'd do it for 100 for us i thought no it's kind of hitting another 
area. They keep hitting like new zones. New thresholds. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't want to be a little bit of a poo-poo here, but I seem <laughs> to be, I think the same news story keeps coming up every month. That's, like, why, that's why I say, what is it? There was an XKCD uh, comic that I tweeted a while back and it was um, essentially, you know, it's like, if it was, if it had been in just, if it left the solar system as many times as it had, <laughs> I was like, no, stop saying that. It's like every time, well, they hit, it's like an onion. And so we're like leaving the outside layers of the onion. We don't know how many layers there are. Say parfait. Just... Ain't nobody don't like parfait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're traveling from inside the onion going out. <laughs> and 11 we don't billion know how... miles. Yeah, we don't know how big it is. So it's every time we hit like a new area, we don't know anything about. And so then all the major media goes, oh my gosh, we've left, we've left the solar system. And it's like, no, not yet. Now, it has started reading a lot of cosmic rays. They have some low-energy charged particle instruments. And it actually has shown that um, the, the amounts have gone on quite up, up quite a bit. So now the particles from the, uh, the energetic particles from the sun are fairly low. But now for the first time, we're actually detecting some, gal in some galactic cosmic rays. So oh, we're starting okay. to see some actual galactic rays. So that was kind of exciting. We're getting somebody so we'll, else's rays, huh? Interesting. Yes. Hmm. But we haven't quote unquote left yet. Well, they're just right next door, right? Yeah. Yeah. Vulcan. It's right over be there. there in no time. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So we leave the solar be, system another dozen times. Yeah. I mean, it could be a month. <laughs> it could be years. Sometime in the next future, as I wave my arms in the science-y way, we will leave. Yeah. But hey, that instrument is like, it's trucking. It was what is it? It has worked for like thirty six years. Yep, yeah. which is like nine times the number of years it was scheduled for. It's done like different steps for this uh, detector. It's done like twelve times the number of steps that it was designed for. And this so, one has uh, doesn't this one have uh, like recordings from Carl Sagan on it? Or is that yes, a different? It does. Yeah, okay. I, I believe they both do. Yeah, they have right. Golden records. Does anybody know like how long it takes for transmission from Voyager to get back to Earth at this point? I believe uh, we did actually six, sixteen to eighteen hours. Yeah, I was gonna say like yeah. the last time we covered the story, we did have that math. Crazy. Yeah, I know yeah. it's got a it's got a Twitter. Oh yeah, <laughs> like every yeah. once in a while, <laughs> Voyager one, Voyager two, and every once in a while, I'll be like, "Hey, my radio signal takes this many years, or this many years, this many hours to." travel back to earth well, and occasionally look at occasionally you'll there. be like hey we've rotated so this thing gets launched before the internet exists right and now yep. it has a yeah. twitter feed <laughs> yep. that's that times that are how awesome it is yeah um so i have I, you know what i have this flashing red light and as you know on the side by 2000 either means self-destruct or it means uh, an incoming communications i'm gonna oh, press self-destruct Incoming communications. Yes. Oh, phew. Um, maybe next time. time. Little, little, uh, little uh, side by 2000 roulette is what I call that. <laughs> okay, other. So, uh, what do we got? All righty. We had some send in from Nick Tannen through the emails, pointing out a story about some powerful radio pulses emanating from outside the Milky Way. Aliens. But not aliens. Five billion to 11 billion light Good years away. Aliens. Maybe aliens. <laughs> no, not aliens. Ah. So, but it might be aliens. <laughs> these were, they lasted more than a millisecond and they 
powered off the amount of energy that the sun does in 300,000 years. Whoa, did something go boom or what? Yeah, that's the theory. We don't know exactly what is there. Chris, you know that what? flashing red button? Oh. Hey, was this, did, did, they, did they observe this last Tuesday around 7.30 p.m. Pacific, Heather? Do you know? No. I think that might have been. <laughs> oh. No. No, actually, this was a, I think the observations were technically done last year. It's just there was a lot of going over the data and a lot of follow-up um, after the fact. And so the paper is just now coming out. Okay. Well, the first time they saw it, didn't they think it was just sort of some sort of instrument anomaly? That's yeah, they, they saw one burst. More. Yeah, they saw one burst years ago. So they had seen something like this before, but they went, there was just one. We're not quite sure what happened. And so this was recent and it was four bursts altogether. And so it was much more likely that they went, oh, wait. This is something. The other one was probably something too. So they're kind of determining, they're able to determine that it was outside the Milky Way because as these radio transmissions travel, they kind of slow down or stretch out as they pass through different things. But this transmission, the energy source, that burst, yep. was more than 300,000 years worth of the sun's output in just milliseconds. Yes. Wow, I mean that's 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 that that breaks my monkey mind to be it's honest. It's astronomical. With you. <laughs> it Imagine is a, that. Funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, oh, they, yeah, I mean they looked where it is and they don't really see anything specific right there. There's no object well, if they there. They would before it happened, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, Op- optical gamma X-ray. So they're not really even. I think they can go before that and see in that area was there something really spiffy. Hmm. Um. And so then they went back. This all is then. I mean, well, I mean, they they went back a year afterward. It wasn't there. There was no transmissions, no signals. So they're thinking it's possible that two magnetic fields from two neutron stars, really, really dense stars, maybe connected or interacted, or maybe some kind of special supernova orbiting a neutron star could produce some sort of a radio burst. Now, I both of those would probably be fairly rare. Um, what they're kind of leaning towards is a giant burst from a magnetar star, highly magnetized hmm. type of neutron star. These are really, really powerful. Isn't magnetar a bad guy in Transformers or something? Seriously. Magnetar. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. <laughs> good times. So, good times. No, my theory is, you know, in Star Trek, when they go into warp and there's that flash. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's this. Could be. Maybe it's some Sends out an FRB, they call them. So that is an alien. Yes. That is an alien. Then it's just not intentional. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say aliens, but aliens. aliens. Yeah. All right. Not aliens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Heather. Well, any other thoughts on that one? No, it's just that um, have they they're tried looking at these, this. Have they tried putting these radio bursts, like tuning to FM and see if it's actually like, you know, interstellar jazz or something? <laughs> they Speed would have jazz, to slow. obviously. only lasted a millisecond. Yeah, it would last milliseconds long. That's that compression. Something. <laughs> but what's crazy is they're looking at this because they can only look at such a narrow little piece in the sky. They're actually calculating that there could be one happening every like 10 seconds. Whoa. Well, you got to go more frequently. (laughs) There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. All right. Well, while we're up in space, why don't we head over to Mars and do a Curiosity update? And liftoff of the Atlas V with Curiosity. That's That's right. That's the wheel. Right there. Okay. So, yep, right there. what's the uh, what's the rover up to? I I hear it's been snapping some pictures. It has. It took a 86 frames of pictures 
combined them together, and it was able to see Phobos, the larger of its two moons, passing overhead. So they kind of showed the quote-unquote video as a series of images. You can kind of see it starts low in the center, and... From the glow, and then it kind of moves upwards. Yeah, it looks Phobos like this is really lumpy. It looks like a little. It look. It is funny how it is kind of like a little jaggy in its path. Obviously, it just must have been you know, the camera, yes. not the moon. Both but. of <laughs> both of Mars's moons are aren't uh, spherical, really. Aren't, aren't they're asteroids? Right? Oh, yeah, they're not so much moons as captured asteroids. Oh. Captured asteroids. Yeah, so I mean like, they're they're big. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I mean they're kind not of, like the kind of asteroid that'll fall in your backyard and you, you put it on the mantle. That kind of makes yeah. it cooler, actually. I didn't, I didn't yeah, I mean, actually was, know that. Yeah, it was 27 minutes crammed into those few seconds of, you know, clip of, you know, that they have as I sure. do quotes in the air that no one in, in the internet can see. Right. Well, you did a good theater of the mind description, though. Yeah, but <laughs> the video is really cool. I, I had geeked out, not geeked out fun on it, so... Go check show notes. Watch yeah. the video. Video is in there. All right. Very good. Well, uh, that's it for the curiosity update, right? Okay. Yes. Well, then we got to warn, warn, warn Jeremy. So, J-Man, something new that we kind of stumbled upon. Uh, we have a time machine. And yeah. uh, we're going to need to oh. go ahead and step into the time machine. Now, no big it, deal. It's only a two-person time machine. So, uh, okay. uh, I, you probably ought to sit because you're a guest. So, uh, And I got to sit because I'm driving. So, Heather, well, thank you. hold on to something, all right? Okay. Here we Did go. Did you put an arm in Hold on. Ah. Sit in the cup holder. Aren't these nice? Yeah. Cool seats now. Got a little bumpy there at the end. Uh, the time machine this week brings us to 48 years ago, July 14th, 1965. What happened? You got a time machine and you only go 48 years ago? Well, we've gone like 2,000 years. Oh, okay. Like yeah, one time we only, yeah. I'm just missing out. To be honest, I'm not special the further, back we, the further back we go, the more it costs. So oh. it's kind of a budget thing, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and the ride gets kind of scary. We went really far back earlier in the season, so now we're kind of, we had to tighten things up towards the end of the season. But uh, what happened this week in science, Heather? The first close-up of Mars, the first picture that we had, the Mariner 4 satellite sent a transmission of the first close-up, consisted of 8.3 dots per second of varying degrees of darkness. So the transmission took eight and a half hours mm. to send this one poor little picture. It was all black and white, too. Oh, yeah, completely black and white. It was, you know, 134 million miles away from Earth. It was about 10,500 miles above the surface of Mars. And so this, this satellite hit out there, took a camera with digital tape recorder. It was only, only get about 20 pictures. <laughs> so it took a lot. It had instrumentation for, you know, for other readings. radiation, Radiation, cosmic yeah. rays, all sorts of other different things. But... Is actually able to take a picture, and you thought your download speed was really bad. Nope. <laughs> this picture took eight and a half hours. Whoa. Isn't it kind of crazy that ju- that was just 48 years ago? And we've gone from having our first close-up to actually, like, listening to a robot that's on the surface of the planet send out tweets. Right, and, <laughs> and like, we, we are, we now, I always, this is my go-to for Mars now, but I just think it's so awesome that we had a jet, crane robot lander with mm-hmm. a reactor in it land on the surface while being monitored from an orbiter in space taking pictures yep. the whole way down like that's that's where we're yep. at now <laughs> it's yeah. a quantum yep. leap in in improvement oh, don't forget the laser and and it has a laser and yeah. like all kinds of instruments and they yep. can update the operating system from earth and it's just all this really amazing stuff so yeah when you think of 48 years ago eight hours to get one grainy black and white picture 
Yeah, versus... <laughs> the bandwidth though isn't awesome now, though, is it? It's still not, like... It's still, I mean, you. there's just the... You have distance. The, yeah, it's just just only distance about how long it takes to send the send the data, which is literally however speed of light, however many minutes away yeah. that Mars is. Right. I believe it's eight minutes. Hmm. I mean, that's sun. All right, well, uh, let me recalibrate the side by 2000, so that way we can look up into the sky this week. All righty. On Wednesday, July the 10th, just after sunset, look over to the west. You're going to see the thin crescent moon just above the horizon. And to the lower left, you might be able to see Venus. On Thursday, July the 11th, right about twilight, you're still going to be able to see the crescent moon. And now Venus is about one and a half fist widths. If you hold your arm at arm's length, fist at arm's length. Mm -hmm. It's about one and a half fists to the right. And now on Friday, July the 12th, just so the moon and Venus are still over there, but just slightly above the midpoint, you're actually going to be able to see the star Regulus which is the brightest star in the constellation, Leo the Lion. And it's hmm. actually two binary stars, so four stars altogether. So if you're over there Friday night, have friends in the twilight, you look over to the west, you see the moon, you see Venus, you see a little bit of a star about midway between, you can tell them that's actually four stars. You know, I love this, this segment, I, but every time I hear Heather say this kind of stuff, I always hear it in the voice of that guy that used to do those commercials uh, on television. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Billy Mays? No, it wasn't Billy Mays. Oh, no, the, that's, the, that's when I hear your voice. The slap top no, guy? No, it, it was this guy that he used to stand in front of a blue screen and he'd be like standing on the rings of Saturn. Like, if you look off into the West, oh, oh that's look Horkheimer. up into the sky. What's he was sitting on Saturn's name? rings. Horkheimer. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That guy. Yeah. I, I actually have met him before and I know exactly you're talking about. Yeah. But, I love they like play him during Sesame Street or something. I don't yes, remember. Yes, that actually makes me feel much better and happy. So I was frightened and sad, and now I'm happy because it was Horkheimer. Way better than Billy Mays. Way better than Billy Mays. Yes. Yeah. uh, Or Slap Chop Guy, for sure. Yes. (laughs) So, moving back to planets. (laughs) Venus this week, as we talked about, is going to be over there in the west to northwest in the twilight. Mars and Jupiter are unfortunately hanging out in the glow of the sun, so we can't see them. But Saturn, you can actually see to the southwest just after dusk, with uh, Spica going to be about one fist held at arm's length uh, to the lower right. So we've got Saturn and Spica over there, and Saturn with its wings of rings is floating up higher. Hmm. So it's going to be to the upper left. Okay. All of that outlined in the show notes. So if you see something in your sky and you say, gosh, you know, I know Heather said something, but I can't remember. She's got it all in the sh- documented, beautiful, laid out in the show notes. Go over to uh, jupiterbroadcasting.com and find side by 100 Scroll down to the bottom of the show notes, and that's where she has What's Up in the Sky outlined for this week. All right, well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 100, doesn't it? I think so. Well, J-Man, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. My pleasure. It's nice to be back. It was great. And congratulations, you guys, on keeping this going for 100 episodes. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Thank you. And Heather, you know, really all credit goes to Heather. She puts in a ton of work every single week into every episode. I know. She really works very hard. And she has for 100 (laughs) weeks now, which is incredible. And she's Remember gonna... when I used to be on this show? Yeah, it was all her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. <laughs> you, had, you had cutting and pasting a video. That's true. Yeah, That's yeah. true. Yeah. And now I have a soundboard, although sometimes the soundboard goes completely crazy. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That has happened. Um, now, don't forget, we are going to be taking that summer break. We'll be back in early September, but you can continue to follow Heather. She'll be tweeting over at JB underscore Mars underscore base. 
You'll be uh, kept in, uh, in the loop of what's going on in the science world and what's going on with the show. You can also continue to write us. We'll collect all those. Just email SciByte at JupiterBroadcasting.com. All right, you guys, anything else we should cover? No? Don't Nothing think so. Comes to mind. All right. Well, I just want to say thanks to Heather for a great show. Thank you, Heather. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you, J-Man, for joining us. You're welcome. And thank thanks you, everyone. Oh, dude been great you know what and uh, we'll hang out a little bit and uh we'll have some snacks i've got a party here everybody's gonna join us it's gonna we're gonna have a little celebration break out the bubble steal all the snacks this time are they <laughs> all right everyone thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of sci we'll see you right back here in early september <laughs>